encouraging, inspiring, and empowering mothers on their parenting journey. Welcome to the O Baby Podcast. Being a mum can be overwhelming and unrelenting, we know. Each episode, we'll be bringing you the top tips, advice, and words of wisdom from experts and industry leaders to help you navigate your own path. It's the information you can trust. Mama, you got this. This episode is brought to you by H&M. So today with us we have Dorothy Wade, a Karatani Mothercraft nurse and baby whisperer to the stars. Dorothy has over three decades of experience working with babies and parents and she's the author of two books, You Simply Can't Spoil a Newborn and Simply Parenting from 12 Weeks to 12 Months. We're so lucky to have Dorothy a part of the O Baby family. So of course, she was one of our first port of calls when it came to inviting guests on our new podcast. Today, we're going to be chatting to Dorothy all about newborns. Dorothy, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to you as well, and thank you for having me on board. Of course. Um, So to start off with, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself, your work, and where your career has taken you over the last 30 years. Okay, I am a Karatani Mothercraft nurse, so when I left high school, I basically went straight into train as a Karatani nurse. Um, I did this because I had a passion for babies, Mm -hmm. and then over the years, I've worked in Australia, I've worked in New Zealand, I've worked in daycares and hospitals. I then ventured overseas when I was about 35 to the UK and worked there. I was doing 24-hour, seven days a week, home as a maternity nurse. Uh, and people's homes and the jobs could range from five like 24 hours to like six months six months is a cutoff for a maternity nurse and then I ventured overseas to the states and there I was a baby nurse and the same principle again I then came home nearly 12 years ago actually 11 and a half years ago and I was introduced to O Baby when I first came home and I've been involved with O Baby now for 11 years and I also started my own business, uh, Baby Help. My company name is Dorothy Wade's Consultancy Baby Within Limited, but you all know me as Baby Help. And in that, I've gone from full 24-7 hands-on in people's homes to actually doing consultancy work and also um, speaking at workshops and at the baby shows and also working with some daycare centres and that kind of stuff. So when I came home, I had to adapt from being 24-7 into consultancy life. That took a little bit of adjusting and I made a few little blues along the way, uh, especially when I'd be in front of people talking, but you learn by experience and here we are. Wow, that's a very varied career you've had indeed. Um, And I guess, yeah, in the States, you were working with some quite high-profile celebrities, so people that could afford, you know, full-time live-in nannies. Um, And it's not really like that in New Zealand. So, um, yeah, I guess you had to pivot. Absolutely. I mean, overseas, there's sort of like, like if you look at, at homes overseas that can afford staff, you have your governess. Then you have your um, maternity nurses or baby nurses. 
you have underneath that is your nannies and then like down to mother's help to au pairs so it's quite a, a, a you know sort of a step ladder on where you are in the family mm. but as a maternity nurse or baby nurse you work very closely with the parents and you are on hands 24 7 for as long as they needed you wow that just seems like another world away doesn't it it is it's starting to creep a little, little bit into new zealand not to the same extent but um you know you've also got to remember back in the 70s karatanis were working in homes in new zealand mm. so it's not foreign to new zealand it's just that we no longer have the hospitals training people so you don't have that availability but i first worked in homes in 1973 wow. so that's going back a little time it is and actually that's that's a good point to bring up that we're going to be chatting to you all about in our next episode which i'm really excited about uh, so bringing it back to this episode we're going to be chatting about newborns um, so newborn period is the first three months of a baby's life um, and I've kind of been inspired by the first few chapters in your book, You Simply Can't Spoil a Newborn. So to start with, um, tell us a little bit about the idea or philosophy behind the title. The reason why I chose that title is because a lot of people would say to me, oh, if you hold a baby, you're going to spoil a baby. If you do this, you're going to spoil a baby. How can you spoil a newborn baby? I mean, that baby's been in your womb for hopefully nine months. So it's been nice and cocooned. And then it pops out into this world. And you know what? Everyone's got to get used to being with a parent, with a baby, and the baby being outside of the womb. Mm -hmm. So I very much believe in the fourth trimester. But again, that sort of thing, what is the fourth trimester? trimester because even if you're practicing that people will still tell you if you hold a baby you'll spoil it mm -hmm. so I really wanted to get that philosophy out there that you simply can't spoil a newborn baby and in fact I actually believe you can't spoil it any age group because as long as they've got boundaries as they grow then you can't spoil them because they've got boundaries mm -hmm. and another reason was we all go on about this first thousand days but the thousand days once that stops, you go into the next thousand days and the next thousand days. Mm. So I wanted to capture that, that first three months of your life, how important it is. It's, it's just such a wonderful time and it is okay to sit and hold your baby. Mm. It is okay just to be baby orientated because that's part of being a mum, especially in those first six weeks. You know, you've birthed a baby, um, your partner and yourself have got used to having this third person in the house. You might not have talked about how you're going to parent. You may have thought you talked about how to parent, but when this little person arrives, it all changes. Yeah. So you've got to take that time and, and just by holding and being there for your baby, that's where you get to understand each other. Mm. Yeah. It's such a good point. And I always remember um, when I was pregnant with my daughter Tallulah, Everybody used to tell me, because I was quite panicky about all the things that I needed to get. You know, I wanted to set everything up and have everything ready to go. And lots of people told me at the time, all your baby really needs is you. Um, and it's just so true. It's such a cliche, but it's so true. Absolutely. And, you know, we've got 
sort of a very big marketing thing about products these days like what do you really need for a nursery what do you you know and it's just there's so much stuff out there that's really superficial so we've really got to start getting back to basics and the basics is you simply can't spoil a newborn and you go from there what do you need to put your baby in a cot you need something you need a set of drawers to change your baby on Mm. so so it's everything that you look at is is you look at working for that little baby that's not going to cost you a lot of money Mm. and again you can't spoil a newborn so it can sit in your arms you know and it can lie on you and my best bit of advice with that is that I always say try not to do anything in arms that you can't replicate in the cot so Mm. it's important that when you're holding a baby you look at that cot and go, no, it doesn't rock. No, it doesn't drive. No, it doesn't bounce. And try and calm your babies down in a way that you can replicate that in a cot as they grow. Yeah, so that's actually that's actually a great point um, that can lead nicely into our next question is, especially for first-time parents, uh, you have no idea how much of your life is going to revolve around sleep and settling like those two things are you know possibly two of the the biggest challenges uh when it comes to newborns so talk us through your philosophy on sleeping and settling what do parents need to know about this in the first three months okay number one try not to do anything in arms that can't be replicated in a cot that's crucial number two babies do not get the tools on board to self-soothe that's falling asleep or resettling till 12 to 16 weeks so when somebody says to you i just put your baby in the cot and let them uh, now grizzling whinging whining to me is crying so there's crying and they're screaming mm-hmm. i'll just put them in the cot and walk away and let them they'll go to sleep they're not going to go to sleep you can leave them there sure they'll go to sleep eventually if they cry themselves to sleep but they don't have the tools on board so you need to show them so my philosophy is that in golf position, which I hold in my arms, I keep my body still because it's a mattress and I do movement on the baby. It's also to understand that when we're teaching a baby to self-settle and resettle, which leads into sleeping, is that there's two nutrients, food and sleep. So if they sleep well, they eat well. If they eat well, they sleep well. Now, in saying that, if you've got a medical problem with your baby, your baby may feed well, but they're not going to sleep well. Mm-hmm. So if you've got a baby that's crying inconsolably and you go to the doctor and they go, oh, go home and look up her for crying, they'll outgrow it. Please don't listen to them mm-hmm. because crying is communication and communication is words. And words, we always stop, we listen and we act. So when my baby's crying to me, they're talking to me. Mm-hmm. Now, crying is normal. Okay, it's natural for a baby to cry. We actually want our babies to talk to us, but we don't want them to cry, you know, for long hour periods of the time. We don't want them crying in pain. Mm -hmm. So we need to listen to our babies and understand that that crying is part of the communication. So when you're going to put a baby to bed, um, yes, they are going to cry. But I always say you can leave them to cry for a minute for every week they are, but never exceed five minutes. So if I've got a newborn baby and I put them in the cot, I'm going to do what I call dump and run. Don't hover like a helicopter. That means that I just put my baby in and I step right back. I could lie on the bed that's in the room. I could lie on the floor. 
I could come back in and touch my baby with my eyes closed, like one hand on their chest and one hand on their lower torso. Mm -hmm. Or if I've got other kids in the house, I might just rush out to make sure they're okay. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to listen to my baby. Okay. And that's what is important. Now, if it's an appropriate noise, then you can leave them. If it's an inappropriate noise, you're going to intervene because they do not know how to fall asleep. So whatever you do in those first 12 to 16 weeks is what your baby's tools are going to take on. So if you're rocking and swinging and swaying, then when you, at 16 weeks, people say, oh, just put the baby in the cot and let them cry. Well, they're not going to fall asleep because you're not swinging them. You're not swaying them. You're not Swiss falling them. You're not driving them. So that's really important. Now, as a parent, you feel more comfortable and the baby feels more comfortable when you stand okay and there's lots of theories about that but to me the basic theory is that when as a parent you stand and you start walking you're doing something that is actually really easy to do you don't have to think about it so inwardly you start relaxing then your baby starts relaxing but if you take that theory and sit your bottom down and engulf them and keep your body still and do that walking movement which is cupping on their body or the rocking movement on their body, you're actually giving them the same thing, except walking or doing large movements, it's really hard to keep doing, really hard on your body overnight, whereas you can actually sit and do that with your baby in comfort and doing exactly the same, but you're doing it on their body. Mm. So that's kind of where I talk about, you know, that most important thing is A, Your baby does not get the tools on board to self-soothe or resettle before 12 to 16 weeks. Resettling, and it is, is, I hope I can say that, but resettling is a bitch. It's the hardest thing to teach a baby, okay? (laughs) It really, really is. And when parents say something to me, I go, I know. And I'll be really (laughs) honest with the parents. I'll go, resettling overnight, I'd pick the baby up and safely bed share with him. So I've been shared with a lot of babies in my career Mm -hmm. because it's easy to lie down with a baby in the bed with you than to be hanging over a bat, you know, a cough or a bassinet trying to, you know, calm them down. Mm -hmm. Now, resettling overnight also isn't about not feeding. It's ensuring we're feeding for hunger and not for comfort Mm -hmm. because I call it health and safety. Babies are meant to wake up overnight. Mm -hmm. Okay. Especially newborns and especially as they grow, they do need to wake up overnight. Okay, mm-hmm. so sometimes babies just need reassurance. But what we do as a parent is we jump out of bed with our boobs blazing, especially if we've got a toddler in the house, plonk them on, <laughs> and then put them back to sleep. Okay, done. But six months of that, it's starting to wear a bit thin. Yes. And I feel that, you know, we've got to start nurturing our, our parents as well as our babies. Mm-hmm. And we've got to make sure our parents are getting sleep. Mm-hmm. Because you shouldn't have to be sleep deprived for the first five years of your age. Mm. so that's kind of my philosophy around the title yeah and and yeah. also about it's the a sleeping because on on one hand you know you've got the you can't spoil a newborn you know the holding and the cuddles and the just surrendering into the into that time period but then on the flip side um it's about putting in little introducing little ways of doing things that's going to set you up for success later on is that right correct a lot of people will say to me when I'm working with them with newborn babies oh I can't it's just too much I can't do it I can't do it and I go well take a break have a break 
Mm. Just do whatever you want for a couple of days. Then go back into it. Yeah. And those same people say to me, oh, all my friends are saying, what are you doing that for? You're doing controlled crying. You're doing this. You're not doing controlled crying because crying's natural. Babies are meant to talk to us. We're not meant to stop them from talking to us. We're not meant to plug something into their mouth every time they make a little noise because they're talking to us. We've actually got to stop and listen, then do the action. Mm. Okay. Now, these same people at six months, they come back to me because they, they need reassurance, because all their friends are saying, oh, you've got such an easy baby. Your baby has two naps a day, sleeps all night. You're so lucky. And these mums want to scream at the top of their voices saying, we put in all that hard work. We did it all at the beginning. Yes. Okay? Yes. And whether it's a breastfed baby or a bottle-fed baby, because I've worked with all types, they can still sleep the same amount of time at night. There's no difference. Mm -hmm. So I've worked with babies that are fully breastfed and by 16 weeks, they're doing 11, 12, 13 hours at night without food. Wow. They are not waking up screaming their lungs out because that's not how you'd operate in someone's home. Mm -hmm. They do wake and you can hear them doing little chuckles to themselves or a little whinge, um, or they might wake up laughing and going again, but they then go back to sleep without you having to intervene. And that's the art of teaching a baby to resettle, is so that they learn how to do it overnight. Right. Okay, so in those first three months, it's it's not so much about expecting them to be able to self-soothe or resettle on their own. It's just about taking little tiny steps um, to make that transition easier when they are developmentally ready. At H&M, you'll find everything from maternity wear to newborn clothing essentials. H&M's baby collection offers cute styles and cozy basics that are not only kind to baby's sensitive skin, but also to the environment. You'll find the softest, most comfortable clothing that's been carefully crafted with your baby's safety and comfort in mind. Discover H&M's baby range at your nearest H&M store today. Absolutely. And if you've got a baby that doesn't settle and is screaming inconsolable and you just don't know what to do, guess what? Listen to your baby. Mm. That baby is telling you something. Either you're eating something, if you're breastfeeding, you're eating something that can be affecting the baby's gut. If you're formula feeding, the formula's not the right formula for the baby. There could be a medical problem. It could be reflux. It could be colic. It could be a number of things. Mm -hmm. It could be a small medical thing. It could be a very major medical thing. And the only way to work it all out is first you look at, at the source of their food. You look at their latching on and, and go from there. Mm -hmm. um, and if they're inconsolable, you need to get some help to help you. Mm -hmm. So um, next, I want to chat about the other biggie when it comes to the, those newborn weeks, which is feeding. Um, and I know that you're big on feed and sleep being very interlinked. So what do you think are the basics of feeding in those first three months? What do parent, new parents need to know? Um, how to do a deep latch on. Mm -hmm. and that to me is crucial so if you're breastfeeding your baby you need to learn how to do a deep latch on I also do, encourage mothers not to hold the baby's head around their, their ears and their neck where they're taught to do it because that's where all their nerve endings are going down the back of their neck you know the spine and, and all the 
nerves and everything all floating down from there. So you're putting pressure on that part. Um, ensuring when you're latching on that your first finger is nowhere near your areola because otherwise when the baby comes in, the baby will hit that finger and will do a shallow latch. Oh. When you're looking at a, breath, a newborn baby that's on the breast and you're looking down in between the boobs, let's just say they're on either side really, looking down the middle of your boobs mm -hmm. and you're looking at their lower jaw, you can't see any part of their you can see the lip being pushed out a little bit, but you can't see the indent or the or the chin face of it because that's right against the breast milking that boob. It's a lower jaw that milks the boob, and that's where it's crucial. If you are breastfeeding and you've got cracked nipples, um, your baby's clicking, lots of other other ones we're not going to go into them but those are the main two then we need to get someone to look at your tongue the baby's tongue I should say everybody thinks tongue tie is a fab it's not tongue tie can affect breastfeeding it can affect bottle feeding it can affect introduction to solids it can affect speech um, I've worked with 18 month old babies that I'm um, with tongue tie they this particular baby had an issue with eating and the mum asked me to come and check the baby out that had a severe tongue tie. Um, I've just worked with a mum who the baby breastfed, a bit sloppy on the bottle, but he took the bottle okay. And he had a minor tongue tie. But when it came to eating solids, he could eat purees, but he couldn't eat lumps. And when he ate a lump, he would gag on it. Mm -hmm. And he would gag and gag until it came up. Tongue tie, let's just say Wednesday afternoon, by Thursday morning, he was eating toast. Wow. So that's important. A tongue tie is not a fad. And I do re recommend if you think or you feel you've got a tongue tie or someone says you've got a slight tongue tie baby and you've got a really refluxy, colicky baby or looks like that, go to a tongue tie specialist. Okay. And I emphasize that word specialist. It's really, really important. I recently did a tongue tie um, with an ENT surgeon in Auckland, Julian Holland. I sent a lot of my clients to him because he's, he's, he's understanding, he explains, he takes a lot of time with the parents. And he's an amazing. And that's the type of person you need to find to support you if you think your baby's got a tongue tie. So basically, if there's a breastfeeding issue, it's either what the mum's eating mm -hmm. or it's the mechanics of the baby's mouth and also your latch on. Right. If you're bottle feeding, it is how you bottle feed. And then because there are certain ways to hold a baby. Mm -hmm. Bottle feed babies don't need to be sitting up. They need to be ideally in the same stretched out position as a breastfeeding baby. Okay. Then we've got all the other different types of formula that no one will talk about. Mm. And, and that's important. We need to get more education out there everyone's too scared to talk about formula we've got to start supporting our parents who need to know about formula mm -hmm. if i have a breastfeeding mother who wants to supplement with formula i will recommend one of the partially hydrolyzed formulas okay. why do i do that because it's got a similar gastric emptying to breast milk therefore easier for the baby to digest right. okay so. uh, yeah and that's really important and we've got to have a look at you know, you've got your amino acids, you've got your, and that's prescription only, extensively hydrolyzed, you can buy, but they're also prescription. You've got your partially hydrolyzed, you've got your big band of cow, normal cow formulas, 
and then we've got goat we've got sheep we've got soy now if you've got a dairy intolerance or a dairy allergy you'll more than likely have a soy intolerance or a soy allergy if you're looking at going to a formula and you don't want to use cow's formula and somebody suggests either one of the other alternatives the medical professionals say that the um, protein in in cow and sheep and goat are the same all the alternative therapists say that it's slightly different okay now i've just recently had a baby um and in fact she was just a client that was put on to me and she was a wits end and she had a baby on formula screened for three months um formula was a, she was a single person so formula was you know expensive for her um and yes you know there's help out there and they can get help but she went to her GP and this GP said, go home and look up purple cry. She came to me and I said, we need to get that baby off that formula. Can you afford to go and buy another formula? At that stage, she couldn't. So I said, you go to the, the shop, buy the formula that I'm recommending. I will pay for it, mm. which is exactly what she did. Within 10 days, she had a new baby. She actually had a normal three-month-old baby with a medical condition because apart from the crying, this baby had a medical condition as well. Mm -hmm. And the mother can now deal with the baby. So that's how important the different types of formula are. Mm -hmm. The same as it is about what the mother eats as well. So when you're breastfeeding and if you've got a refluxy, colicky baby, all that kind of stuff, um, I always recommend to remove egg, dairy, and soy for 72 hours. Why do I do that? Because it's quick and fast. And as a sleep-deprived mum, you want some action quick and fast. Because mm -hmm. you could take out egg for 72 hours. You could then take out dairy for 72 hours. Then you could take out soy for 72 hours, and there's no difference. Take out all three together 72 hours later, you've got to change baby if that's the cause. Mm -hmm. How easy is that? Yeah, and there's certain yeah, sounds like a bit of a minefield doesn't it you know lots of trial and error absolutely and you've got to have someone that's going to listen to you mm. and support you to whatever type of feeding you want to do mm. does it matter and i'm very much pro breastfeeding and i spend a lot of hours with mothers who've been through the system and still want to breastfeed and still struggling and 80%, 90% of those mums, I do get breastfeeding, but there's always that 10, 20% that go onto a bottle. Mm. But it's you've got to have that support. You've got to look at everything. Um, and my biggest challenge when I deal with mums with breastfeeding is the mechanics of the mouth and the latch on. Mm. And once we get that sorted, we have successful breastfeeding. What are your thoughts so, on the, you know, I, I hear and see a lot about um, about the fact that when you first start breastfeeding, it shouldn't be painful and that if it is painful, the latch isn't right. Do you agree with that sentiment? 100%. And again, that's where it comes to that latch on. Breastfeeding shouldn't be painful. Mm. Okay. And we've just now also got a new protocol out on mastitis. Well, that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. And I had a client who's in the medical world and she rang me to tell me about it. And her and I had a good laugh about it because I had sorted out her breastfeeding issues and I sorted out her breastfeeding issues 
right on the protocol that's now new. And she had had a lactation consultant before me who was who did it the normal way mm. and that ended up being major issues. So I came in and did it the way that I know, which is the new protocol, and the mother was able to breastfeed. Mm, interesting. Yeah. All right, Dorothy. Well, I think that's about all we have time for for this particular episode. Is there anything, any closing statements you'd like to make on on those first three months with a brand new baby? Absolutely. One, try not to do anything arms that you can't replicate in a cot. Mm -hmm. Babies do not get the tools on board till 12 to 16 weeks to self-soothe and resettle. It is natural for a baby to cry. It's not natural for a baby to cry inconsolably. Mm-hmm. So those would be, and to enjoy. It's the most magical, it's unconditional love. The most magical time. It's hard, you're sleep deprived, but it's worth it. It really is worth it. Couldn't agree more. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today, Dorothy. And we'll talk soon. Thank you for having me and I look forward to coming back again. Okay, see you. Bye. This episode was in partnership with H&M, supporting you on your parenting journey. Thanks for listening to the Oh Baby podcast. If you've found this episode useful and encouraging, make sure to share it with your village 